Well, good morning. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And it is a pleasure to be able to preach for you this morning. Just a couple of weeks ago, I preached from 2 Corinthians 6. And in that text, Paul quotes Isaiah 52. And so, naturally, as I was working on that sermon, I spent a bit of time um, in Isaiah 52. And since then, I have found myself coming back to this passage several times because God has used it in recent weeks to encourage me. And so I am praying that this morning and in the weeks to come, he will use this text to encourage you. The title of my sermon is Certainty for Uncertain Times. And our text this morning is Isaiah 52, verse 7. Just one verse. 52, verse 7. The big idea this morning that I want you to grasp is that in every circumstance, God is working to draw us closer to Him. In every circumstance, God is working to draw us closer to Him. We're going to break this down into three points. You can see them there on the screen. Because God reigns, we have good news of peace, of happiness, and of salvation. So with that, if you are able, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet, on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Church, the Lord has spoken to us and we say this together. Thanks be to God. So this text is the definition of good news. This is not just good information. This is not simply something that you might find helpful. This text could be life-changing for all of us in this room. But especially for those of us who find ourselves in difficult, uncertain, and possibly even hopeless circumstances. The image of this text is one of a people, imagine this with me, a people or a person in a valley. And they're surrounded by mountains. They're cut off on all sides. They're stuck. They are unable to escape. Maybe they think they've been forgotten. They're losing hope. They're wondering if anyone is ever going to come and rescue them. They are uncertain about what their future holds. This image is a metaphor for the Israelites at the time that this text was written. At the time that this text was written, the Israelites had been cut off from everything that they knew, and they were uncertain about their future. And that's because at this time, not long before it, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had raided Israel and he had taken the Israelites captive. And so they were quite literally cut off from their homes and they were trapped 
They were unable to escape, and they were most certainly uncertain about their future. They were wondering if they had been forgotten. And there on this mountaintop, in this imagery, appears a messenger who says, I have good news for you. Your God still reigns. The King of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He still reigns. He is still on His throne. You can imagine for this people, who some 70 years ago had had their kingdom raided, destroyed, and had been taken captive and removed, taken to another land, And held there that this was indeed good news to know that their God still reigned. And he's not like other kings. He is a father God. And like a father who is immensely and perfectly capable, he will stop at nothing to rescue his children. He will cross deserts, oceans, Mountains to get his children. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him who brings good news. Well, this is good news for us this morning because we can testify, we can know that our God still reigns. And because God is our Father, we can know with certainty that in every circumstance, God is at work drawing us to him. So let's look at our first point. Because God reigns, we have good news of peace. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. This text was written about 500 years before the birth of Christ. It's toward the end of what is known as the Babylonian captivity or the Babylonian exile. This lasted for around 70 years. The Israelites were in captivity for Some 70 years, an entire lifetime. As you can imagine, their circumstances were not good. You see, 400 years before this, around 1000 BC, Solomon was king. The people of Israel were in a relatively good place. God had brought them into the promised land at this point. He had established them. He had given them military victories. He'd given them military power. They had security. They had amassed great wealth. They had made a name for themselves among the people. They had a place to call their own. God even allowed Solomon to finally build the temple, a magnificent structure as we've talked about in recent weeks that was a symbol of God's presence among them. But with all of that success, and all of that abundance, all of that comfort, the Israelites became prideful. The sheen of the temple and what it represented soon began to lose its luster. And the practices, the religions, the materials of the cultures that were around them began to captivate the Israelites more and more. They began to turn away from the God of Israel and to the things of the world. But in spite of this, God was always, throughout all of this time, 400 years, God was consistently and always working, even in those circumstances, to draw him back to himself. 
but they were not listening. God continues to labor with them for 400 years, calling them back. He sent prophets, warning them of the destruction that was sure to come if they continued to turn from him. But their pride was too great and their faith was too weak. And so God gave them what they wanted. Psalm 81, 11, and 12 reads, But my people would not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsel. Around 600 BC, God allowed judgment to fall on the Israelites. The Babylonian army brought war to Israel. And they destroyed everything. Including the temple which they tore to the ground, leaving not a single stone in its place. They burned the gates. They burned the walls. The symbol of God's presence among them was gone. All along, God had been calling them. All along. Had they just listened, warning them, he gave them opportunity upon opportunity, but they were too stubborn to listen. And so this can serve as a warning for us this morning. The circumstances, this circumstance is not altogether foreign to some of us this morning. For quite some time, maybe you have been growing away from the Lord, increasingly drawn to and comfortable with culture. You replace the things of God with the things of this world. God used to have a presence in your life, maybe. But over time, you've drifted and now find yourself separated. Sitting here this morning, maybe you feel cut off. Maybe you feel like you're wondering if anyone knows exactly how far removed you actually are. In a room of this size, it's very likely some of you are feeling that. I want you to know that you're here this morning because God is working in the midst of your circumstances to draw you back to himself. <clears throat> to the Israelites, God sent prophets. But to you this morning, he is giving you this word, a word directly from him, from Isaiah 52, and it has traveled across 2,500 years to make it to your ears this morning. It's the same good news that was delivered to the Israelites after being held captive. And it is that your God reigns. He is the Prince of Peace. And he offers you this morning that peace if you find yourself in that place. You may be familiar with this, but the word peace is shalom. I'm sure you've heard that before. If you've ever been to Israel, you have certainly heard that as it is still a common greeting in Israel. It means far more than peace. Shalom is an all-encompassing word. It's like saying, may God bring blessings on your entire welfare. May he cover all of you with his protection, and in him may you be completely and totally safe. That's the kind of peace that we're talking about this morning. If that's you this morning, the message for you is, is that you do not have to be separated anymore. He has won the victory. He reigns and he extends the offer of peace to you. 
And I say to you, take that offer. Take it. Many of you are not feeling that this morning. And you're like, man, this is heavy. <laughs> this is heavy. You're in a good place. That's great. Praise be to God. I know that many of you are in a very good place. Praise be to God. Your relationship with the Lord is strong. So may these words serve as a reminder to you and to me. Life is filled with mountains and valleys. And you may be on the mountaintop now. Stay true to his word. Make prayer a priority. Invest in your church family. In gospel community. And may God use these words to strengthen your faith so that you may continue to walk with him no matter what life puts in your path. Which brings us to our second point. Because God reigns, we have good news of happiness. Bless you. Bless you. Is that Nicholas? (laughs) Get it, buddy. That's right. Nicholas got to break up the tension a little bit. He's like, man... Because God reigns, we have good news of happiness. Throughout those hundreds of years that Israel drifted apart from God, there remained a remnant. There were always faithful people who desired to, be, to live faithful and productive lives. But it's called the Babylonian captivity because after their defeat and destruction of Israel, the Babylonians took all the productive, wealthy, educated, Israelites back to Babylon. And they forced them to assimilate. They forced them to produce and to enrich Babylon. Among those Israelites who were taken captive was that remnant. They had eschewed the practices of culture around them for all of those years as they watched their culture fall more and more. They saw the sin of their nation. They knew that it wasn't pleasing to God. It would be very similar to America today, I think, and the difference between nominal cultural Christianity and those who strive day by day to live a life that is truly pleasing to God. But now those faithful were caught up in this terrible situation. They'd been shipped off to Babylon, held captive there, forced to renounce their faith, no longer able to pray to their God, forced to eat food that they saw as unclean, and to bow down before the king of Babylon. This is the story of Daniel. While they had done nothing wrong, this remnant now finds themselves in a terrible circumstance. See, the message here is that not every bad circumstance is a punishment. Not every terrible thing that happens is the result of poor decisions and rebellion by an individual. Sometimes we find ourselves in difficult situations and circumstances because of life. Bad things happen to people. We live in a broken world. People lose their jobs. People get hurt by other people. People were born into terrible family situations. People get sick. Over this last week, as I've thought about this point, 
<clears throat> I thought about Aaron and the story that he told last week. He drew a very poignant picture that is burned in my brain. <clears throat> I thought about what it must have been like that night in the hospital room. I probably can't read some of this. <laughs> talked about looking out the window and watching the cars go by while his daughter lay there sick, fighting for her life. <clears throat> Nobody made a bad decision in that situation. Nobody was being punished for disobedience. Sometimes life is just hard. And sometimes life is just unfair. And those are the circumstances we find ourselves in. But Aaron also told you that in the midst of that, throughout those traumatizing months in those hospital rooms, that God was there. In the midst of the despair, God was there, strengthening his faith and drawing him into a deeper and richer relationship with him, which we all are blessed by now. And so it was for the Israelites who were caught up in that nightmare. God was right there, drawing them to himself, along with many others who didn't realize what they had until it was gone. Their eyes had now been opened to the sin that they had been committing, and they wanted to return to the peace and the happiness that was found only in a right relationship with God. These words from Isaiah must have been a balm to their broken hearts. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news of happiness. You're probably familiar with the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Another way that you could translate that is, oh, how happy are the poor in spirit. Oh, how happy are those who mourn. Oh, how happy are the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, how completely fulfilled are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When we recognize that no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, if we will be faithful to turn our eyes to the Father, we will find lasting, eternal happiness that can only be found in Him. Which brings us to our third point. Because God reigns, we have good news of salvation. Good news of salvation. Salvation is a word that communicates it communicates the desperation of a person's circumstances. It means that the situation that you are in is such that you must be saved to make it out. Apart from being rescued, your circumstance is hopeless. That's what salvation means. Some of you this morning have been in bondage your whole life. You've been captive to sin and to shame and know there must be more 
Do you long for freedom? Those of us in this room want you to know that you are not alone. I want you to know that the story of every person in this room who has experienced the salvation offered through Christ, I want you to know that that is the story of every person in this room who has experienced the salvation offered by Christ. After 70 years in captivity, the Israelites longed to be saved. They wanted to go back to Israel. They wanted to go back to their homes to be free from the burdens of being held captive by a power that was more than they could overcome in their own strength. They wanted God to come and save them. And if we just keep reading a few more verses from Isaiah 52 down into Isaiah 53, we learn that the messenger on the mountain who brings good news of peace and happiness and salvation is Jesus. All the way back in the Old Testament. Listen to these words from Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. He bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows so that we could find happiness and lasting relationship with God. He was crushed for our iniquities and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. He was pierced for our transgressions. You see, it was Jesus on the mountain who came to bring the good news, to rescue us, and we nailed his beautiful feet to a cross. But by his wounds, we are healed. Some of you this morning have been in bondage your whole life captive to sin and shame, and you know there must be more. The passage goes on to say that all we like sheep have gone astray and turned, everyone, to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so no matter your circumstances this morning, whether you have drifted from God, whether life is just beating you up right now, or whether you've never known him, but you know in your heart that you need salvation that only he can offer, the good news is that this text offers us is clear. Our God reigns. And he loves you. And he longs to care for you as only a perfect, a perfect heavenly father could. But we must be in right relationship with him for that to happen. So no matter who you are, or what your circumstances are. The question for you this morning is, will you receive this good news? Will you take hold of the offer this morning? No matter who you are, will you take hold of the offer this morning to trust God fully with your circumstances? In conclusion, I will say this specifically to our Antioch family. 
and those who are in Christ. We've gathered this morning for worship around this table. And in a moment, we will feast together and we will celebrate this good news that we have been rescued. But in this room, around our family table, there are empty chairs representing those who are still out there looking to the mountains, waiting for someone to bring them good news. Christians, we have become the messenger. We have the good news. And out there, in your neighborhood, at food pantry, on the soccer field, every day, in the garden, every morning and every evening, at your workplace, with your family, around the world, the lost are out there, on the other side of the mountain, cut off, and wondering if anyone will come, waiting for good news of peace, happiness, and salvation. Romans 10, 14, and 15 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Antioch, my call to us this morning is, let's commit. Let's go. Pursue intentional gospel relationships to display Christ's glory among the nations. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus was at a table with his disciples. He took a loaf of bread and he broke it. He passed it to his disciples and he said, this is my body and it's been broken for you. And each time you eat of it, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. And each time you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. So in just a moment, our worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us in worship. We're going to form two lines. If you're a baptized believer or a member here this morning, we invite you to come to our family table and to feast with us and to remember what God has done and to celebrate. We'll have gluten-free options on the right if you need that. And there'll be people in the back to pray with you. I'll be back there. Everybody in this room fits into one of those categories this morning. So if you need to talk with somebody, come back and see us. We'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And we thank you that we have the opportunity to gather here weekly and freely to worship you as your people. Father, we can do that because you heard our cry from the other side of the mountain and you left heaven and traveled across the ages to come and to rescue us, taking the form of a servant, living a perfect life, and giving it up on the cross so that we might have eternal life with you. Father God, I pray that you would use this passage to resonate in the hearts of your people in the days and the weeks to come. And that in every circumstance, they would know that you are 
right there. Drawing them to yourself. And all we must do is to receive it. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.